This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to the weekend edition of Double Tap. It is Saturday, it's the 11th of February 2023. Today we're going to be talking about Microsoft and ChatGPT and also giving you another chance to hear our chat with Humanware. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your host, Stephen Scott. Yeah, good to be company. Thank you once again for joining me here. Uh, Today on the show, as I say, we're going to give you another chance to hear that interview we did with uh, Matthew Paquette from Humanware. He talked to us at length last week, in fact, week before, actually, he spoke to us uh, on the subject of... Well, everything to do with the new Victor Reader Stream 3rd generation. But he also answered a key question about Audible and issues that people were having with Audible trying to authenticate their Victor Reader Stream with Audible Sync, the application that allows you to download your Audible books onto your Victor Reader. It wasn't allowing authentication for a while. And a petition was started online and, and lots of people got involved. Uh, but it seemed that Audible had already fixed it before all of that and just never communicated it at all to Humanware, which is not great. But it has been fixed. That's the good news. It has been resolved. So we do break that news on the, sh- on the interview, uh, which we'll replay for you today in full as it went out. We had some issues with the podcast last weekend. So uh, that's why I thought we'd replay it this weekend and give you a chance to, uh, to hear it again in full. So that coming up a little bit later. Uh, I do want to get to Microsoft, though, and of course the big news of the week, frankly. We couldn't bring you too much information at the time because all the information from the actual event, the event itself wasn't live-streamed. It was essentially a closed press audience. Uh, But we do now have access to all of the recordings from it. We do have access to all the information about what happened there. And of course, lots of people have been writing words online and speaking on podcasts and giving their views on this. We certainly have too here on the show. We had Michael Babcock on on the show this week talking about it. Well worth going back and checking that out if you haven't already. Uh, But yes, we are going to talk today about that and uh, talk about Bing and Edge as being essentially, as as Microsoft call it, the co-pilot for the web. I want to understand a bit more about what that means. We're going to hear from the man himself, CEO Satya Nadella, uh, when he spoke at the event this week. We'll hear him today. And we'll also learn a bit more about the product and... (laughs) A question that I just love that keeps coming up. I've raised it on the show many a time, kind of jokingly, but someone did actually put the question to Satya Nadella about Clippy. Remember Clippy? Microsoft Word had Clippy. It would pop up every five minutes and irritate the heck out of us all. Well, people want it back. I kind of want it back. And I love the fact that a journalist put that question. Satya Nadella, so we'll hear the response to that coming up on the show. Uh, but before that, I want to get to an email from Kirk. Earlier in the week, uh, we had an email, I think it was on Thursday's show, maybe on Wednesday's show, uh, where we had an, an email in from Kirk, who um, raised a really important point. He was talking about challenges he was having with Zoom text in particular, and he was having all kinds of issues, and, and was it a work PC problem, or was it a software problem? And that's something which, you know, I've I've at the time asked you know, you guys to help out with, because I, I don't use ZoomText. It's not a product I use. Um, I don't really have much use for magnification anymore. I moved on to a screen reader. And that was the second part of his comment, I guess. Kirk said, you know, I wonder if it's time to consider moving on to a screen reader. It's a really difficult question. 
And it's one that I know myself I struggled with. And that's why I wanted to come back to this this point that Kirk made. And I said I, I would come back to it because it, it really does hit home for me that, that point that you make because I was there too. I was in exactly that position where I was struggling with magnification, although I was getting by with it. But I often thought I could probably get things done a lot quicker if I used a screen reader. I had no idea what was coming next because ultimately... When, you, you, when you've got vision, you will do everything you can to use that vision as much as you can. And it's kind of born into you as a kid. They bore it into your brain that you should just use every, every last drop of vision you have. And in different parts of the world, there's different views on this. I know in Canada, I was in Montreal in 2008 at a conference. And there was a Canadian school, I think, for the blind there. And all the kids were wearing masks. Well, not masks, but um, eye shields. And I remember thinking, what's, what's that all about? What's going on there? And apparently the kids were being told to learn to live life as a blind kid because maybe they'll lose all their vision. They don't know. They might have conditions that get worse over time or maybe their the eye condition will stay the same, but ultimately we don't know. So why not prepare early? If you've got an eye condition, I mean, oh, this is for kids who are visually impaired already, right? Like me. So it's not like, you know, they're just taking random kids off the street and putting eye shields on them. This is for everybody. This, is for, this isn't for everybody. This is for blind kids or visually impaired kids, those who, whose vision is already at a low end. So I came away from that thinking, that's actually really interesting because that's not the way we think about it here. Certainly where I live, that's not the way it was. It was always use the vision you have. And that was how I was brought up. But as the years have gone on and my vision's gotten worse, I actually think that that's a mistake. I don't think we should do that. I think we should learn to live life as much as possible using the best tools we can get. And yes, magnification is good for some people and that's fine. But if you have got a condition which is getting worse, then learning to use access technology like a screen reader as early as possible is the best option. Because I don't think you want to wait too long because when the day comes that you need it, you have all that learning to do. And that is going to slow you down. That is really going to slow you down. It's going to make it more difficult for you to get the knowledge in place whilst at the same time thinking about education or the workplace or whatever it is. You know, Is this going to impact on my job? And I learned this the hard way, I think, because... In 2017, I talk a lot about that year because that was the year my vision changed and it got a lot worse. And I was off work for about four weeks. It was all through a heart condition. That's how it started. I had a heart condition and it, it caused me a, I had a heart attack. And then I lost vision as a result of it, weirdly, through hypertension. Who'd, who'd have thought, right? I mean, it's a heart attack. What's that going to do with my vision? But yeah, I did end up losing more vision. So I go through this process, I come out and I, I'm just so aware, so acutely aware my vision has dramatically changed. And um, I, I didn't go back to work right away. I was off work for about five weeks or four or five weeks. And when I'd gone back into the office, I had to start working again. And of course, I open up my computer and I look at it and I think, I can't see this. I can't see anything here. What am I going to do? And then I realized I really have to start learning a screen reader. But at the same time, I have to do my job. So that became really tricky. And I had a support worker who I resented. It was nothing to do with him. I had no bearing on him or his, his abilities or anything else. He was brilliant. And he put up with a lot of rubbish from me, let me tell you. And that's me being kind. He put up a, a lot of attitude. 
um, you know, a lot of negativity from me because I was angry. And I was angry because I wasn't ready. You know, I wasn't prepared. I couldn't just get on with my job. I had to relearn everything I was doing in a new way. And that was when I decided it was time. Obviously, I needed to learn the screen reader. But had I made that decision earlier, and I thought about it, like you, Kirk, I thought about it. I thought, maybe it's time. Maybe I should do it. But it always felt like, well, I maybe never need it. So why bother? Or, you know, I'm okay today. I'll wait till next week. And I think that was a mistake. So my advice would be, if you've got the time, if you can make the time to just take some time out, maybe find a class online, find some people who know screen readers well who can teach you, or get a tutor, I would do it sooner rather than later. I really would, because my own experience has told me that waiting too long puts you in a bad place. And look, losing vision is hard enough. But why make it any harder? <laughs> really, why make it harder for yourself? If you can instead, you know, be a little bit prepared. And I really wish in a lot of ways that I had, you know, there's a lot of things I think back on and I think I wish I'd learned Braille sooner. I wish I had learned screen readers earlier because I would be way more proficient than I am. I mean, I am proficient and I, and I will say this, one thing you will notice, Kirk, is when, and I, I, I give the example of email. I, th- I talk a lot about email when I, when I talk to people about this topic. I often look at email because I remember having to navigate with a, a magnification to read an email, to respond to the email, check the email, send the email, go through all the list of all the other emails and all that stuff. With a screen reader, what was taking me about five minutes, maybe per email or even a couple of minutes per email, I was doing in seconds. Just arrowing through, going, yep, 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 delete, delete, delete. Oh, that's interesting. I'll answer that. Enter. I'm into it. I'm reading it. You know, I'm replying to it with all R. I'm, you know, all S to send. It's gone. And I'm thinking, this is so quick. <laughs> and, and it's when you, when you find that moment, when you find that, that it will happen to you. You'll, you'll start using it. You'll start learning it. You'll be frustrated as hell using it. I promise you. A couple of weeks, you'll absolutely hate it. And then something will happen like that. You'll, you'll go into an email, you'll do something, and it'll almost be mindless. You'll know you're, what you're doing, you'll be thinking about it, but it'll almost be mindless in that you just do it, and then you realise how quick you did it. And that is brilliant. That, that's, that's the moment. And, um, yeah, that's why I wanted to come back to this today, because I know my own feelings about it, and I just wanted to share that with you, because I, I think it is definitely time. Uh, it's always time. I think it's just time to do it. You know, it's not, it's not a right time. But there is a wrong time, and the wrong time is leaving it until it's too late, when you really have got so much else going on, and it actually impairs you. You know, they talk about visual impairment. Well, it does impair you if you can't do your job. And we can solve that in advance by just putting the work in early. Yeah, it's challenging, it's tough, it's difficult, it's time-consuming, it's all that stuff, but it keeps you in the workforce, keeps you in the workplace, keeps you feeling worthwhile. Because I knew in 2017, if I didn't do what I did, I would have lost my job. And I'm not saying they would have got rid of me. I don't think they would have. But I think I would have just felt so pathetic and useless. I don't think I'd have been able to continue. And I know friends of mine who that's happened to. They just, they walk away. Nobody talks about that. No one talks about the truth that a lot of people just walk away from jobs because they just, it's not that people sack them or they get rid of them. or They just think, I can't do this. 
I can't deal with this. And that's why, you know, that's why we do what we do here. That's why I do this, because, you know, if I can tell people that, then they begin to realize, well, maybe I can do something. I can be useful and I can continue to be. And it's okay to feel useless every so often. You know, don't believe all these people online that keep telling you to be happy all the time and positive and never be negative and disability is a great thing. Yeah, do you know what? Yeah, you'll get to that point and that's fine. But there's a bit in between. There's a bit in between where it's hard, where it's tough, where it's not fun, where I'm not proud of it, where I would do anything to not have it. I think you have to, you have to accept that reality sometimes. You know, that's part of it. It's not all of it. You will get to a point where you'll start to feel better about life. You'll start to get happier. And you might join that clan of people that say, disability is great and I'm really proud. That's great. But don't not acknowledge the truth as well, that it is damn hard at times. And you've got to recognize that, I think. You've got to, you've got to realize that and acknowledge it because it is part of the journey. Dare I say that word, the journey, but it is. It's part of it. Anyway, sermon over. Not even Sunday, and I'm giving you a sermon. Um, let's talk about ChatGPT, right? Because um, this is a this is a great story. So ChatGPT this week has really been at the the center of the conversation in tech circles because it has been transformed thanks to Microsoft and their huge ten billion dollar investment. And um, Satya Nadella took the stage this week to showcase how Bing. And Edge could become, as they call it, your co-pilot for the web. Let's listen to some of what Satya had to say on stage this week. It's an exciting time uh, in tech. Uh, You know, the broad contours of this uh, next platform uh, are just getting clearer and clearer each day. Uh, The advances, what's possible, uh, that's what obviously excites us uh, in our industry. But we're also grounded in what's happening in the broader world. Can we use technology to overcome the challenges that people and organizations and countries face? Uh, That's really the pursuit here. In fact, that's why way back in 2016 is when we came out with the AI principles. Both we as Microsoft and our partners at OpenAI deeply care about this, such that we can build AI that's more aligned with human values, more aligned with what our preferences are, both individually and as a society. And so, what is it that we should do? And what should we build? I think that this technology is going to reshape pretty much every software category we know. I mean, we've seen that, right? When we've saw, if you think about the web, We've had, what, three at least very distinct platform shifts that have shaped the web. The web was born on the PC and the server. And then it evolved with mobile and cloud. And now the question is, how is AI going to reshape the web? We think there are two things that are emerging. One is this conversational intelligent agents. I think they're going to be things that we are going to have everywhere we go. All computer interaction is going to be mediated with an agent helping you. In fact, we're going to have this notion of a co-pilot that's going to be there across every application canvas. And so we want to show you some of this innovation, starting with how it's going to reshape the largest software category on planet Earth, search. And it's a new day 
uh, in search. It's a new paradigm for search. In fact, a race starts today in terms of what you can expect. And we're going to move. We're going to move fast. And for us, every day, we want to bring out new things. And most importantly, we want to have a lot of fun innovating again in search because it's high time. So that's the broad strokes. And there's a lot in there to unpack, right? I mean, he's talking about a whole new vision of the web. But actually, if you think about it, what it's doing is it's really just making the web a little bit clearer to more people. See it as a co-pilot. I kind of like that look because it's not actually that different to where we're at today. That is kind of how most of us probably think of the web or at least use the web. You know, we, we Google something, we immediately go to Google or we bing it these days, <laughs> as we will be doing. I still can't really say that. It doesn't make sense to me, but okay. Uh, but okay, we go and we bing a, a query on something and we'll, we'll get the answer to it. And I guess for a long time it has become that. It's become that that information that's just available to us. It's our co-pilot. So there you go. Um, so that's the broad picture. Let's uh, talk about some of it in action or at least get a sense of what is to come. Yusuf Mehdi is from Microsoft and he took to the stage to give some examples of how this will work in practice. We've been working on something we think is pretty special. We're going to reimagine the search engine, the web browser, and new chat experiences into something we think of as your co-pilot for the web. At the center of this new co-pilot experience is an all-new Bing search engine and Edge web browser. You're going to notice some subtle but important changes. First, we have an expanded search box capable of accepting up to 1,000 characters because now Bing works with natural language. And you saw a little hint to chat. With one click, you are now into chat. Bing knows the context, and it just goes in and refires the queries. Bing can generate the content to help you get started. And with a simple request, just basically say, hey, translate to Spanish. Bing knows to take that entire email and itinerary and convert that into Spanish. In fact, Bing can translate automatically in over 100 languages. We've just updated Edge with a new look and feel and new AI capabilities. It's sleeker. It's lighter. And you're going to notice now that we've integrated Bing in a really cool new way. All of these amazing new capabilities and what we think is a revolutionary new experience. World-class search. The ability to actually get answers to your questions made easy with integrated chat, and the ability to generate content when you need it to spark your imagination. Brought to you not only when you're searching, but everywhere on the web, courtesy of the new Edge browser. So that is the new browser and, of course, all the new functionality that comes with it with Bing Search. So that is the kind of broad picture of what is coming and, and how the, the practical layout will be, that, you know, how the, the service will be delivered. I think it's the capability that people aren't quite grasping yet and, and the fact that it can do so much. And, and there are a lot of people who don't know a lot about tech who are immediately concerned. What is this capable of? What can this replace? Can it replace us in our jobs? Could it replace me? Could it replace you? And the answer to that is probably yes. It probably can at some point. I think we're a long way off it. And, you know, we heard from Satya Nadella being interviewed in CBS this week. We played the clip for you. Uh, earlier in the week. And, and actually, Satya Nadella's view is it's quite the opposite. This will create opportunities, new jobs. And I think I might be on board with that. You know, it's often like I often say, you know, with the whole thing when drones came along, people said, well, if drones can 
you know, fly everywhere and cars can drive everywhere, then what will humans do? Well, someone's got to, I guess, control these things. And I can imagine, like, I mean, I, I look at trains these days and I think about how trains moved from, in, in Britain anyway, we moved from having signal boxes all the way along the track. And then we had all individual people staffing those signal boxes to, you know, one person sitting in front of a bank of screens seeing a whole load of signal boxes and be able to control them. And I kind of feel that's where it's going to go with this. Less people will have less access to those jobs. But, you know, the thing about robots is, you know, robots, I guess, that still require a screwdriver and, you know, occasionally, you know, a piece of hardware to be fixed. Someone's got to fix the robot, right? So there'll be jobs there. Um, anyway, one final thought that uh, I've had a few times is that I, I keep wondering if they'll bring back Clippy. Now, it's a bit of a joke, in some respects. But, you know, there's, there's something in it, right? We need to bring back Clippy. I used to like having Clippy pop up and ask me questions or wink at me through the course of a day. Um, and I can't believe this, but Joanna Stern of the Wall Street Journal, <laughs> who sat down with Satya Nadella this week, asked that question. And she uh, has on her phone Clippy. And she shows it to Satya Nadella and says this. What about this guy? Oh, you know, it's sort of like it was early. And so we get to redefine it uh, for the AI age, and it's going to be very useful. So is he coming back? He'll come back in a variety of different ways. I think I'm most excited about being as the real incarnation of Clippy. Okay, but but no actual, like, pop-up. I think we have much better design mechanisms to do what Clippy aspired to do back in the day. Does Clippy haunt your dreams? Not really. It's probably the thing that was the most fun character Microsoft introduced, which, you know, think about it, right? We have been on a 30-year journey to perfect it. So I'm excited to be here in 2023 launching Bing with AI. <laughs> Does Clippy haunt your dreams? What a brilliant question to ask. Uh, you know, what I love is how Satya just does not lose focus. He is just like, right, no, no, This what we're talking about here is Bing and ChatGPT and all of the AI capability. We're not talking about Clippy. Uh, but still answers the question. I, I think that's brilliant. Uh, it doesn't look like Clippy's coming back anytime soon, guys. Sorry. But um, I'm really glad she asked the question because, yeah, it'd be kind of cool in a lot of ways. I think Clippy would be much better than Bing as a name, to be perfectly honest. I know it doesn't mean as much these days, but it, it's maybe to younger generations, they wouldn't have a clue what we're talking about. Oh, you young people, you so much to learn. Um, but for those oldies amongst us that remember Clippy of old, uh, yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool. I just think the, the problem is, is with the name. In terms of search, Bing isn't where I go. And I think Google has become such a, a word synonymous with search. And it's funny because I bet people who will use Bing will talk about Googling. They'll say, oh, I Googled that on Microsoft's new Edge browser. No, you mean Bing? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So, you know, maybe the name is a problem. Well, we'll see. We'll see if people start talking about binging searching. We'll see. Anyway, stick around because we're going to replay you the conversation next with Matthew Paquette from Humanware telling us all about the new Victor Reader stream, replaying this for you uh, to give you a chance to hear all the details and all the news on the new device coming soon. Stick around for that. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, 
back to the show. And let's get to the big story of the day, the release of the Humanware Victor Reader Stream 3rd Generation. All the details right now here on Double Tap. I am joined by Humanware's Matthew Paquette from Toronto. Uh, he joins us now to tell us all. Matthew, great to have you on the show. I'm so glad to be on. Yeah, me too, uh, because we've been really keen to talk to you guys about this brand new device, the Victor Reader Stream, third generation. It's finally here, and I can't see any information online about it, and it's not because I'm blind. Uh, I just can't <laughs> find anything about it. So tell us, first off, does it actually exist? It's not a myth, is it? Well, no, it's not a myth. I actually have one right here. Um, so um, it is it is a new device that's coming out soon. Uh, so we've announced it about a couple of weeks ago on a, a user list on groups.io. And then uh, a lot of buzz started generating from that. We also met with some of our partners, our dealers, our distributors uh, to inform them, give them information and whatnot. And uh, honestly, I've been doing the rounds. I've been on a few podcasts in the last week, and I'm happy to be on this one today. Well, I'm glad you are, because like I say, this is a very popular device, the Victor Reader yes. stream. It's been popular for a very long time. And I remember uh, when I, I used to do a show in the UK called Tech Talk, and mm-hmm. we used to do the show every week, and I would occasionally get emails in about you know, lots of different things. And, and sometimes a conversation would just be taken way off track, and on one occasion, I remember someone talking about the fact that they just loved their Victor Reader. And it kind of spawned all these emails and and conversations about how wonderful this device was. And, you know, in, in a world of iPhones and Android phones and all of this smart technology, sometimes just keeping it simple, keeping yep. it ex- fully accessible is the winner. And I, I guess with the, and this is what I'm intrigued by, with the iteration of this and the evolution of this particular mm-hmm. Uh, new device uh, have you have you kept to those core principles of of just keeping it simple keeping it to, totally accessible so honestly before we started doing any kind of work on the project the first uh direction we had was we need to make it as intuitive and it needs to be someone who's used a stream 2 needs to be able to pick up a stream 3 and use it right away and we've achieved that so we have made some small changes of course, because when you do a new product, I mean, it's pointless if you're not going to iterate and do some improvements yeah. and whatnot. But, I mean, at the end of the day, when you take the device in your hand, the buttons are on the same place. So on the top row, you've got your go-to button, your online, your bookmark button. You've got your a numeric keypad just below that. Below that is the sleep key. And then below is the rewind, play, and fast-forward button. So exact same placement on the, as on the stream, too. Uh, if you're looking for the power button... It's at the same place, top left edge. Uh, if you're looking for po- for the volume buttons, just below that, just like on the stream two, and then the record button for voice notes or bookmarks is on the right side. So uh, it is uh, physically, it's the exact same button placement, and. In terms of the software, it is also super similar. So if you, you know, you're going to use your four and your six to go back and forward. You're going to use your pound key to confirm. You're going to use your star key to cancel. Um, you're going to use the number one button to switch between bookshelves. So we've kept it the same. The only place in the software that's changed a little bit is the settings menu. So we, uh, the previous settings menu on the stream two uh, was a little bit clunky to use. So like, let's say for example, you wanted to go to Daisy online, you had to press seven, like eight or nine times. And then if you press it once too many times, you had to go back and do the mm-hmm. whole menu again. Now, if you press seven once, you're gonna get into your local settings. 
The local settings are um, whatever bookshelf you're on. So if you're on internet radio, you're going to get internet radio settings. If you're on podcast, you're going to get podcast settings. If you press 7 a second time, then you're going to go into the global settings, which uh, is everything. So if you want to connect to Wi-Fi, connect to Bluetooth, you want to change your looping options, whatever the case may be, this will be there. And then you can use 4 and 6 to navigate and then the pound key to drill down into the menu. The menu is also the same whether you're on the online or the offline bookshelf, which was a bit of a source of confusion for users on the stream too. So we've just made it the same on both both sides of the device. Now, you alluded to something else in there, which is new, which is Bluetooth. Yeah, Bluetooth. So that's a, that's something that's new on the Stream 3. Uh, it was, Hallelujah, it was a few, Matthew. Yeah, Hallelujah. Sure. I have been screaming about this for so long. It's just there's so many great Bluetooth headsets, right, or speakers yeah. that you can connect to. I'm just yeah. thinking now I can connect this up to my Amazon Echo beside my bed. This is so yeah. cool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of people like to use uh, headphones, like to use speakers to, for, for louder listening, uh, which brings me to a point. We've improved the speaker on the Stream 3, so the speaker is much improved over the Stream 2. It is it is louder and it sounds better. Uh, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not the same as having an external speaker, obviously, because yeah, yeah. you can only fit so much in a small device. So if you'd like to connect Bluetooth to a uh, you know a Bluetooth speaker, Absolutely possible. And then you can listen to your books while you're sitting on a couch comfortably and have the room full of sound from your book or music or whatever it is you're listening to. But yeah, Bluetooth was was most definitely one of the top features that users wanted us to add, and we are happy to do it. And can you add multiple Bluetooth devices? Or could you have a speaker and, say, a pair of favorite headphones connected, and you, you can just choose between them? Or do you have to unpair and, and repair? So you you can you can configure multiple, but you'll only be connected to one at once. Oh well, that's good, right? Okay, so you have a, a list you can go to. You could say, okay, yeah. I put these on. I'll I'll wear my headphones today, and because some, I, there's nothing worse than some of the devices when you have to unpair the whole thing and almost reset and do the whole Bluetooth yeah. reconnection again. So that's good. That's 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 brilliant. And what up to five devices, perhaps, or four or five devices? Uh, I don't know the number off the top of my head, honestly, but I, I would assume a couple devices, at least four or five. Yeah. I mean, certainly for most people, it is yeah. going to be you know a pair of headphones and a speaker, and that's yeah. it. Let's be honest. That's um, correct. Okay, so right, very interesting. So, so lots of, and I guess a lot of internal changes as well. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the design because I had heard rumor that the buttons were slightly different. You were using a slightly, instead of the sort of plastic buttons, it was more rubberized. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, the buttons are both now rubbery, which is a great feeling the texture of the bun when you feel them with your fingers and uh, we've also added some texture on the two four six and eight keys uh that little edges uh that will tell you better tell you where your fingers are positioned on top of on number five as usual we have two little dots so this helps a lot for completely blind users to position their fingers on the device and the keys are also slightly bigger which will help for people with fine motor skill issues well that's good right so and and the buttons so, so what it has like a, a raised outline around the edge of the button? Yeah, exactly. So on, on the number two key, it's on the top of the key. On the number four, it's on the left edge. On the number six, it's on the right edge. And ah, eight on the bottom edge. See, right. Okay, that's that's great. Okay. And and that rubbery design, I mean, the, there's often that concern about the wear and tear on a device like that, you know, with, with those kind of buttons. So sometimes the, the rubbery button, you know, it doesn't have the same longevity as, as say, a plastic button. I, I, I guess you've looked into that. Yeah, for sure. So we, we've done a lot of testing and everything. And, and we are, are I mean, obviously, we don't have results over like a 10 year period. But yeah. uh, we did 
put the device through some thermal testing, like hot and cold and, and so on and so forth, and the buttons resisted really well. We've also done some uh, drop testing, because one of the things that people might notice is that there's no longer a case included in the in the box with the device. Okay. But we have done uh, military-grade drop tests, and we've actually even thrown one down the stairs at the office, and it came out on scathe. Uh, obviously, we don't recommend people you know, do that. <laughs> but it's going to happen, right? It is going to happen. Exactly. Someone's going to do that accidentally. So for a light fall, for something that, you know, if you drop it from a three-story window, obviously there might be an issue. But, yeah. I mean, if it's in your, on your leg and you're dropping on the floor, there shouldn't be any issues. And uh, while there's no case included now, because we used to have a little silicone case, but honestly it was more for aesthetics than anything else, mm. uh, we do have a case that's going to be coming with Executive in the United States that will be available worldwide as well for purchase uh, that uh, will be, uh, you know, the typical Executive case, like really good quality leather uh case uh, that should be available somewhere down perhaps a few weeks after launch do you ever get feedback from people saying hey do you know what i'd love a custom case for my victor reader you know essentially in the way that people design you know cases for smartphones and all the rest of it do you ever get feedback like that people saying hey i'd love it maybe a nice colorful one like a yellow case so i can you know see it more clearly in, in, in a space or whatever so honestly, no, it's not the kind of like uh, having countered case and whatnot is not anything that I've I've ever had as a request. But that probably is explained by the fact that the majority of our users are very uh, are completely blind. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, uh, I, we do have people who like the executive the executive case, like they really want something to put their device in. It makes them feel like the device is better protected. Although, as I said, it's not going to be that much more protected. But, I mean, for some people, it's important to uh, to have. And also, it's not about color sometimes. It's about physical holding the device, you know, making yeah. sure you've got a good grip of it as well. I mean, that silicon case you had for the second gen, that was, you know, really good for That's what I liked about it. So, you know, but it's interesting. I mean, I'm always intrigued to know what, what how people feed back on these things. Um Okay, so the design is, it sounds a little bit different. You know, it sounds like you've, you've improved it. I love the fact the buttons are a bit bigger as well. I think that sounds mm -hmm. interesting. Um, let's talk about some of the other aspects of the, the actual external. Has it still got its 3.5 mil headphone jack and also the microphone jack as well? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on the Victor Reader Trek, which came out in 2017, uh, the team had made the decision to combine both ports into a single one. Mm. And... Uh, that was met with a lot of backlash from the community and a lot of people were not happy that we decided to combine both ports because that um, prevented the use of a stereo microphone. So for the Stream 3, which the project was started probably somewhere around the 2020-2021, uh, we took that feedback into account and we kept both ports separate. There, uh, on the Stream 2, they were located on the top right corner. Now they're in the bottom left corner. So that, that changement uh, that uh, placement changed a little bit, but not a whole lot. And yeah, there's still two separate ports, uh, one for uh, microphone line-in and one for headphone. And what about internal storage? It was SD card storage on the on the previous gen, on the second gen. Uh, same yeah. here? 
Nope, now it's a flash memory, which is much more reliable, will fail way less often. So uh, it is the same uh, type of memory that we see on the Victor Reader Trek. It is uh, 16 gigs, uh, so we have 16 gigs of memory on the, the Stream 3 versus 8 gigs on the Stream 2, and even 4 when the Stream 2 came, uh, stream two came out. Mm. Uh, the difference, though, with the Stream 3 is that the internal memory, so for Stream 2 users, you could download books and, and podcasts and all that, and it would go to the internal memory. And then you could export them to your SD card. But if you wanted to download a book or music through a computer, you absolutely needed an SD card to transfer that over to the stream. Now, with the Stream 3, we have 13 gigs of memory that is usable by the customer. So they can uh, transfer their books, their music, or anything in the internal memory of the stream if they, des- if they choose to. But we do still support SD cards. We still have an SD card. It's not a regular SD. It's not a micro. It's a regular SD card. And uh, those support up to one terabyte SD cards, uh, which is a lot bigger than the Stream 2, which was up to 32 gigs. And sometimes bigger cards worked, but never up to a terabyte. Uh, Now on the Stream 3, you can put a one terabyte SD card and store a lot of books. That is amazing. And of course, it's not just books, is it? I mean, there's lots of things people do with their stream and different you know audio that they want to keep on their voice recordings exactly all that stuff that is absolutely incredible um i also heard it's usb-c now it's not micro usb anymore that's correct correct. so uh the uh you know the more modern port is the usb-c plus there is some legislation coming up in uh, europe I think in 2024. Sure is. Yeah. (laughs) It's causing nothing but trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Where, where, yeah, we'll have to use USB-C. But at at the end of the day, I mean, USB-C obviously wasn't available when we made the Victor Reader Stream 2 back in 2013. Uh, But now that it is, it is the easier. I mean, you can plug it in both ways. It's much easier to use. Way less wear and tear on the port. I mean, I myself am sighted. And I I had to, last year, I had to throw away a pair of headphones because the micro USB port, broke down on it because at the end of the day even for a sighted person plugging it the right way you know sometimes i you don't look you try to plug it oh it's not the yeah. right way and then the port breaks down uh on on a stream three with the USB-C port i mean unless you really try uh the port should be really reliable no that's superb and there was a time when of course you could have that adapter as well for the Victoria second gen where you could have the micro USB to USB A and that would allow you to plug in say a USB stick and actually import audio that way is that is that going to be an option with this new version so no unfortunately the way because we're using MTP on on the um, the stream 3 which is media transfer protocol to access the internal memory what that means is that on the hardware side of things, uh, the port cannot be used to read external sources. So unfortunately, that's, that is a no longer an, an available option. Okay, okay. Um, what about, okay, let's talk about the software then, because the software mm-hmm. inside the device, you say the settings have changed a little bit. Everything else, I'm guessing, feels the same. Um, yeah. First thing I'm thinking about, any new voices? So uh, we do have a new voice uh, coming for the U.S., which is called Lily, which is really high-quality voice. Uh, so our voice provider still is Acapella, which is a fairly well-known TTS provider. Um, and yeah, so we are implementing uh, Lily for now, which is a voice that requires more processing power, which is not something we could have done on the stream too. But that being said, we are looking in the future at higher-quality text-to-speech voices for all languages, including uh, you 
UK English, Australian English, French. So we are, as Acapella makes more voices available, we are looking to add those onto the Stream 3. What is the hardware that's that this is running on, or the software this is running on? What's it based on? Is it... It's not, it's not Android, is it? It's not Linux, is it? So the software, uh, the software in terms of the software, it is Linux. Uh, it is Linux, and, right? And interesting. That, I, that's interesting. You bring that up because we had someone on uh, talking about the Blind Shell Classic uh, mobile phone the other day, and, and we were a bit confused between whether or not it was Linux or Android. In that case, it is Android, but it, maybe it was this that's confused them because it's actually the Victor Reader runs off Linux. That's very interesting. Uh, yeah. Very solid system. Um, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some of the other things because, of course, um, we really cannot avoid the fact that you know Audible has made mm-hmm. a change which has had an impact on the device uh, where you can't authorise the device any longer in order to uh, get your Audible books uh, copied on to the Victor Reader. Is that right? So actually, I have a bit of an update on that. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, as of Monday of this week, uh, as of... Uh, January 30th, it appears that it works again. Oh, wow. uh, they've made some changes. Yeah, on the Stream 2 and on the Victor Reader track, I, I started getting reports from some customers who said, I am available, I am able to authorize, activate my uh, my stream now. So I had some of our internal testers try it, and, and I told them, make sure you use an SD card that's never been used before. For And, uh, and then, yeah, it worked. Uh, so thanks to the people at Audible, they apparently fixed it. Uh, and it didn't even require a software update for Audible Sync, which is phenomenal. Now, um, that being said, we have been talking with them for the past year. I've had meetings with them last summer, last uh, last fall, and uh, we they asked us to send them a Stream 3. So before anyone knew Stream 3 existed, we were talking with them, and we sent them a test unit for them to test out and see if it works with Audible. And what we found out this week is that on some support pages at Audible, especially I was sent one from France, uh, the Stream 3 is listed as being compatible, which, to be mm-hmm. honest, is news for me. I wasn't aware. They, they Unfortunately, the communication isn't great with Audible. We wish that they would engage us a little bit more. But now that they say that it is, we'll resume the work. We've done most of the work to get the Audible on the Stream 3. We'll resume the work to finish up the last end test. And uh, if, if it really is compatible, then we should have it available sometime in the spring. Well, that is incredible. And, and it's also important to say this was affecting all the Victor Reader stream devices yes. that were, this wasn't unique to the third generation. This was across the board because Correct. essentially it was an audible authorization problem, right? They were not, yeah. they were not accepting new authorizations. If you had already authorized through Audible Sync, you would be able to transfer books fine, but it was the newer ones. But as you say, uh, the, the latest news on this is that as of this week, as of Monday of this week, that has now been uh, changed. Of course, I guess you'll be keen for people to let you know how that goes. But that is good news if that has been yeah, the case. Sure. And this is often the way now, isn't it? These things just get changed. It's, it's almost like someone <laughs> ticks a box somewhere and just forgets about it. But for yeah. everyone else, it's like, wow, finally I can do this again. Yeah, exactly. And and we're really happy because at the end of the day, we, we want our users to be able to access Audible. It is a wonderful service. Yeah. And uh, and we even use it internally. Like I have a lot of my, you know, people at Humanware who's been telling me, oh, I wish I could use, you know, Audible again. And yeah. Well, I I did it as well in mine because I honestly felt it was a nicer way to enjoy my audiobooks than sitting with a phone. You know, a phone, you're getting notifications all the time. Your battery's being impacted. If I need to use my phone for GPS or something else, then, you know, I have the problem of this book being, you know, 
uh, well, you know, if I'm listening to my book, that's going to take the battery, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be, be part of the problem. So actually just being able to, to just disappear off and listen to my book in a nice, relaxed way without interruptions is, is brilliant. Um, Speaking of content providers, then, um, mm -hmm. I had also heard you're thinking of, or you have already uh, got an arrangement with another internet radio provider. Is that right? Because you have all, Utunes as the provider at the moment for internet radio. Is that changing? Is that staying the same? What's happening there? So Utunes is staying on the device. So we, we do still have a partnership with Utunes to have the internet radio. Um in terms of another provider, uh, there are some things in the work. I can't talk about them here, uh, but we are talking with some people to get another service on the device sometime in the spring. Okay. Uh, we will do some big announcements, and we perhaps we'll talk again then once we're ready to announce, but there is something that's fairly exciting. Uh, our, our beta testers have been trying it for a few weeks now, and they really love it. Um, mm, we had now you're teasing have, us now. <laughs> we had hoped to have <laughs> for the launch but unfortunately there were a few technical issues towards the end that we had to take it out of the final build uh, but we will have something probably somewhere in April or May so let's um, let's zoom out a little bit here because if you have the Victor Reader second gen as I do as, as many people do uh, will that continue to get updates like the ones that for example you're talking about will that get those updates or do you need to have the third gen to benefit from that no, so unfortunately for the stream two, uh, once we start selling the stream three, the stream two will be at end of life. Discontinued, uh, okay. So it will be discontinued. We will no longer sell it. However, just like with any humanware product you buy, after we sell the last unit, we keep supporting them for three years in terms of support. Like if you need repairs, if you have questions, if you need some help with the device. So up until 2026, around February or March of 2026, we will be offering repairs, uh, technical support, and all of that, but there won't be any new functionalities brought on. Okay. Well, that's, you know, I suppose in a way that's fair, right? You're buying a new device, but you're still supporting the old one. So if you want the yep. new features, you got to buy the new device. Okay. Uh, and in terms of availability, um, it's not out yet, is it? So That's correct. So, so we're doing... Yeah, so we're doing a US-only launch at first, and the reason for that is uh, that we'll only have US English available as a voice, and we won't have any Daisy Online services available. Uh, so the first version, as we're talking right now, the teams are still working hard in the background to quash all the bugs, to polish up some features. So we will be doing a US-only launch with uh, Bookshare, with uh, NLS Bard, and NFB Newsline, which are the three services in the US that don't use Daisy Online. And then about a month later, so we're looking at probably towards the middle to end of March, we'll be able to integrate more languages, including French, Spanish, and some others, and we'll have Daisy Online available on the device, which will enable users from several countries around the world and including my native Canada, mm. to have access to their library. And then as time moves on, we'll be adding more and more library support. One of the ones that might be very interesting to your uh, listeners is we are talking with RNIB right now to be able to integrate them. So RNIB does not use the Daisy Online protocol. They have their own protocol, just like Bookshare or like uh, NLS Bard in the United States. And uh, we have been working with them for the past few months to integrate them into the device. And that should be available, barring any major technical problems, that should be available before summer. Wow. Okay. So RNIB on there for UK listeners and for our Canadian listeners, access to the SELA library as well. 
that yeah that will come with the Daisy Online support, which should be somewhere around March or April. And then uh, one other library that we've we've been working on is uh, Eol, which is in France. Uh, so we've been working with them as well to integrate them into the stream. And in terms of podcasts and and that kind of content, I mean, I'm guessing this is me treading dangerously close to the area <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about. But you know, it, 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 basically, other ongoing discussions about the. The, the type of content you have on the device and and with this new device essentially newer hardware in there does it give you more scope so so in terms of the podcasts uh the fact that we're using a more modern platform with a better cpu better memory allows us to use uh we'll be using a different library uh that's called FFmpeg that'll allow us to decode a lot more audio streams. So there are a lot of uh, podcasts that currently perhaps don't work on the stream too, because they're using too modern of a codec uh, that we will now be able to support on, on to the stream three um, on top of that. And I'm going to add, because I am sure a lot of your viewers will be uh, listeners, I should say, will be, uh, will be wondering is that the BBC has announced that they are changing their streaming technologies. Mm. Uh, in 2023, uh, I think the change is supposed to be around Jan- uh, around June. Uh, we've been in talking with them. I had a meeting with them before the holidays, uh, and I've had some email exchanges with them in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so, um, unfortunately, the new platform that they are going to is not supported on the Stream Two, uh, but it will be. We will be able to come up with a solution for the Stream Three. So we are working with them to be able to have uh, the BBC still on to the Stream Three. Yeah, that's that's interesting because because the BBC is becoming. I mean, it is a worldwide institution it's as well. So for sure, for the sure, content I mean, is worldwide, right? So you know, in, yeah. in different parts of the world, people will want to listen to to radio, podcast, download content, all of that stuff. I mean, the BBC as a whole, like the, both the radio, TV. I mean, I've seen Sherlock, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Canada. So, so yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. And what about Canada? So the release date, I mean, you're obviously going for that US launch first. What about Canada? What about the UK? When does it appear there? So it would be one month later. So currently we're looking at uh, somewhere the 13th, the 20th or the 27th of February for the US launch. And then, uh, and then we're pretty much, you know, building the plane as we fly it as it stands. So we are still, as I said, finishing up you know, bugs and so on. So as soon as I have a firm release date, we'll open up pre-orders for the US. And then the plan is four weeks later. So if we launch that on the 20th of February, then the 20th of March, we'll be able to launch worldwide. So that means Canada, UK, Australia, Europe, and, and so on. Now, what about pricing, Matthew? How much are we likely to pay for this device? So uh, in terms of the pricing, it is going to be £420 uh, retail price in the UK. It is 550 US in the United States and 595 Canadian in Canada. Why are you doing it in, in this way? So you've got the Victor Reader Stream third generation, which, of course, as a device on its own, makes total sense. I, I totally <laughs> understand why you're... you're pushing that and continuing that because it's clearly popular. It, it clearly yeah. works for many, many people. But then you have the Stellar Trek in your lineup and, and it doesn't have all the features of internet radio and note-taking and all those things you can do with the Victor Reader stream. Previously, mm-hmm. of course, we had the Victor Reader Trek. Why not, essentially, with the technology you have, almost give that alternative as a plus option to say, hey, you could have all the features of stuff you love in the stream, but you can also have the the Trek added in, essentially in the same device. So... A Victor Reader, a Victor Reader Trek Two, I think, is what I'm trying to say. You know, why, why do that as opposed to the Stellar Trek and the Victor Reader Stream Third Generation as the current offering? 
So the Victor Reader Trek is still available, so we're not discontinuing it, so people will still be able to buy it after the release of the Stream 2, uh, the Stream 3, but um, we have found that a lot of people, there's two types of people. There's people who like to have all-in-one tools, so like the Swiss Army Knife type of thing approach, where they love having GPS and book reading and podcasts all in the same device. And then there are people who prefer having both separate. They, they'd rather have one tool to read their books and do their, their entertainment and one separate tool to do their navigation. So that's where the Stellar... So when we did the VR Trek, a lot of people liked it, but a few people said, ah, you know what, I wished you'd done like a, simp, a, a dedicated GPS device. So that's why we did the Stellar Trek, uh, which is a dedicated a GPS device. Uh, but that's not to say that there's not a Victor Reader Trek 2 in the future. Uh, we haven't we haven't swept that aside. I mean, the Victor Reader Trek has been a successful device for humanware, and uh, there is a chance that we might, uh, you know, a couple of years down the line, come up with a Victor Reader Trek 2. Okay, so it's not it's not that that was one, uh, you know, one time thing that it may come back in another form or even the same form in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, no decision's been made on that front, but uh, we're waiting to see how the Victory... So once, now that we've released the Star Trek, and now that we're... Because a lot of people were buying the Victory Trek just for the Bluetooth feature. Um, so once we've released the Stream 3, we'll see what the Victory Trek sales look like. And, I mean, if, if it's warranted, if it keeps being good sales and whatnot, then, yeah, I don't see why we, we uh, wouldn't come up with a new one in the future. Really interesting. I am so glad you came on to tell us all about it. You've told us a lot today. I really appreciate you coming on, Matthew. It means a lot. And, uh, you know, you do great work at Humanware, no doubt at all. Great Canadian company. And, you know, great to hear about the new Victor Reader stream third generation. I look forward to appearing worldwide and uh, come back soon and tell us about all the new exciting stuff you've got planned. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me on. And uh, you have my contact information anytime you'd like to talk to me. If you'd like to perhaps, you know, a little bit later this year, talk about the Stellar Trek or some other, you know, products at Humanware. We're three products manager. I'm the one who take care of the Victor Reader and the Stellar Trek. But we also have Andrew who takes care of our Braille products. And we have Roger who takes care of our low vision products. So if you're ever interested uh, in talking with them, uh, reach out to me and I'll put you in touch. We will take that invite and we will uh, run with it. Uh, and uh, yes, you're always welcome on here. Thank you so much, Matthew. All right. Thank you, Stephen. So there you go. That's all the information. So what do you think? Is that a product you want to buy? I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can email us, as always, feedback at doubletaponair.com. You can call us on one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. Thank you so much for your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-TV every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. The Walrus is Canada's conversation and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.